Dr. Scott Parazinski and his space shuttle crewmates were speeding 17,500 miles an hour on their way out of Earth's atmosphere. Their destination was the International Space Station, a scientific hub, a stepping stone for exploration of the solar system, and the largest structure humans have ever put into space. To many people, the ISS represents the pinnacle of human achievement. By the time that mission took place in 2007, Scott was a veteran of four space shuttle flights and several extravehicular activities, spacewalks, in orbit. After retiring from NASA, he became the first person to have both flown in space and climbed to the summit of Mount Everest. This is a person who is comfortable with risk, but this mission carried an additional burden of significance. It had been delayed for three years after the Space Shuttle Columbia disaster, in which the spacecraft had disintegrated as it re-entered the atmosphere, killing all seven crew members. Yet for Scott and his team, the mission was worth the potential danger. They were to deliver and install a key component of the ISS that would connect and unify the U.S., European, and Japanese space labs within the station, providing additional power and life support and significantly expanding its size and capabilities. After a week of new installations and routine repairs, things took an unexpected turn. Scott and a fellow crew member had just installed two huge power-generating solar cell panels. When the panels were opened and extended for the first time, a guide wire snagged, causing two large tears in them. That was a serious problem, because the damage prevented the panels from expanding fully and generating enough energy to do their job. For Scott to repair the torn solar cells, the team had to jury-rig an exceptionally long tether that would attach Scott to the end of a boom and then connect him, by his feet, to the end of the ISS's robotic arm. Dangling from the boom, it took him 45 minutes to move 90 feet along the wing and reach the damaged panels. His skills as a surgeon were crucial as he painstakingly cut the snagged wire and installed stabilizers to reinforce the structure. After seven nail-biting hours, the mission was a success. The crew on the ISS and the team back on Earth erupted into cheers as the repaired panels successfully expanded to their full length. A photograph of Scott seeming to fly above the glowing orange solar wing is an iconic image of intrepid exploration in space. His achievement is said to have inspired the death-defying spacecraft repair depicted in the movie Gravity. Almost eight years after his celebrated feat, I had the immense pleasure of speaking with Scott on the stage of the Rubin Museum of Art's Brainwave program in New York City. Tall, blonde, and rugged, he looks like a circa 1950s American hero. He has the manners of one, too, with his easy smile and sincere humility. I asked Scott how he had kept his cool that day with nothing but a spacesuit between him and the void. With the fate of the mission resting on his shoulders, what had been the secret of his success? The answer? Anxiety. Anxiety and fear. I probably don't need to tell you what anxiety is. It is a fundamentally human emotion, our companion since Homo sapiens walked upright. Anxiety activates our nervous systems, making us jittery and on edge, with butterflies in our stomach, a pounding heart, and racing thoughts. The word, derived from the Latin and ancient Greek words for to choke, painfully constricted, and uneasy, suggests that it is both unpleasant and a combination of the physical and emotional, 
a lump in our throat, our body paralyzed with fear, our mind frozen with indecision. It wasn't until the 17th century that the word was commonly used in English to describe the range of thoughts and feelings we recognize today as anxiety. Worry, dread, angst, and nervousness about situations with an uncertain outcome. Often, you know why you are anxious. Your doctor calls, telling you she wants to schedule a biopsy. You are about to step out on stage to give a career-making speech before a crowd of 500 strangers. You open a letter from the IRS informing you that it is auditing your tax return. Other times, our anxiety is more elusive, without any clear cause or focus. Like a maddeningly persistent alarm, this free-floating anxiety tells us that something is going wrong, but we can't find the source of the beeping. Whether general or specific, anxiety is what we feel when something bad could happen, but hasn't happened yet. It has two key ingredients, bodily sensations, unease, tension, agitation, and thoughts, apprehension, dread, worry that danger might be around the corner. Put the two together, and we see why choking gave anxiety its name. Where should I go? What should I do? Will it be worse if I turn left or right? Maybe it's best if I just shut down or disappear altogether. 